Warning, the following podcast features views and opinions that are not representative of the collective views of the Whispers groups. Some of these views may not be suitable for children. Accordingly, the producers and hosts of the Missy AE podcast must insist that no one attempt to take anything that is being said as representative of the views of any of the Whispers groups. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, as we have a lot on the plate tonight. We have, of course, WrestleMania currently taking place on Peacock and for overseas over on the WWE Network. We uh, we have March Madness, the finals to talk about. We have uh, a lot of stuff that went on in the NFL this past week, as well as the trade deadline for the NHL that's coming up this upcoming Monday at I think 3 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we also have we, we have a lot a lot of stuff to cover, including some updates as well on the Deshaun Watson case. It seems like almost weekly there's there's new updates when it comes to this guy. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the uh, the two themes for tonight as uh, since it's WrestleMania, I kind of figured why not go back into the uh, into the history books a little bit and pull out two songs from some of the more popular, uh, WrestleMania events of all time, that being Tear, Tear Away by Drowning Pool, which was one of the theme songs for WrestleMania 18, and also My Way by Limp Bizkit, which was one of the themes, or actually it was the theme, actually, for uh, WrestleMania 17. So, I mean, those those two events are probably some of the best WrestleMania events that have been put on. Uh, in recent memory, uh, we already are one match into this year's WrestleMania with the almighty Bobby Lashley successfully defending his WWE championship over Drew McIntyre uh, in front of, I believe, they haven't announced it yet, but I believe it's 25,000 fans. Normal, normally, you know, there would be a hell of a lot more, but because of covid you know, it's been reduced to 25,000 fans at Raymond James Stadium tonight, uh, which surprisingly, WrestleMania started off tonight uh, for the first time ever with a weather delay because it was, it's been downpouring there ever since, well, quite frankly, earlier this afternoon. You know, a lot of people were wondering if WrestleMania would even get started on time. Uh, but we do, we do have a lot of stuff to talk about tonight so if you want to call in you can call in at 657-383-1308 we will be live on the air for at least the next two hours before we go into the hour after show following uh following the uh p.m eastern uh right at, right at the uh the top of the hour there uh just a reminder to any of our uh missy ae podcast uh subscribers I know we've been we've been taking a little bit of a break recently from the Survivor and Big Brother Whispers or Big Brother Memories podcasts, uh, but we will be back soon. Um, so just stay tuned to blogtalkradio.com/missyae. Normally, 
we have the episode up a couple of days in advance so that you guys are aware of what's coming up. Uh, And if you guys haven't yet, what are you waiting for? Subscribe to the Missy AE podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash Missy AE or on iTunes by searching Missy AE on iTunes. You'll get access to all of our previous interviews that we've had with Big Brother House guests and Survivor contestants, as well as the Amazing Race's Hung and Chi from this past season of The Amazing Race. And if, if there's any indication from, uh, from my talks I've had with Jim, we may have, uh, we may have something brewing uh, in the future. So you guys are going to want to listen to all of the previous shows that we've had. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of great behind-the-scenes knowledge in the in these uh interviews that hell i didn't know i didn't know about uh about some of the stuff that was uh that was presented to begin with so it it shed a lot of light on our favorite reality tv shows uh that we've been uh that we've been watching all these years uh lou welcome to the call uh thank you have we have quite possibly, I don't know if you're watching ESPN, but uh, I think the impossible may have happened, and UMass is pretty much a period. Uh, well, actually, let me check how much time is left. You mean the about, college hockey game? Uh, yeah, they're about 11 yes. minutes away, 11 minutes away from getting their first NCAA title for the first time in the years. Oh, wonderful. My best friend will be so happy. Yes, it is five to nothing right now, UMass oh, over uh St. Cloud State. And I mean it was it, 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 you know, it was impressive enough the fact that, that UMass was able to get back to the uh to the final four. The fact that they beat yeah. Minnesota Duluth though in overtime, <laughs> which a lot yeah. Every single year, Minnesota Minnesota is always one of the favorites. Yeah, up there every year. Yeah, they're they're always up there. They're pretty much they're pretty much like the Kentucky of uh, of, of right. college hockey. So I was taking I was taking predictions of that tonight, even though a lot of people uh, don't really follow college hockey. But I did take uh, poll day of who they're gonna take, and the majority actually did take Duluth, Minnesota. Yeah. But I have a friend in Boston, and uh, she follows a lot. Yes, my best friend's a girl. Uh, she follows a lot of uh, UMass uh, sports, you know, the UMass uh, basketball and whatnot. So uh, I have a special interest uh, in this game. But actually, right now I'm actually watching the Lakers uh, with uh, against the Nets right now. It's an ABC game. And Brooklyn is looking to make a bit of a run here. They were getting bombarded in the first quarter, but the Nets are making ground right now, thank God. Well, that's kind of surprising. I won't. I, I guess maybe I shouldn't say oh. surprising because James Harden is still out. I think uh, with his uh, with his injury that that he recently suffered to I think it was his hamstring. What, yes. what, what did he? Uh, yeah, I believe it was it, it was his hamstring that he suffered an injury to, and you know maybe perhaps that would put them uh, a little bit more on even terms. With, uh, sure. with certain teams, but that is kind. Of, it, it is kind of surprising though that they are down as much to the Lakers, considering the Lakers don't have LeBron and they don't have 
uh, Anthony Davis back. Well, yet. you know, Steve, when you, when both teams are down their best players, I mean, it can it can go either way. So it's really not a surprise. I mean, you have you have LeBron and AD on one side, and you got Harden on the other. So it's it's pretty even, and I think I can understand that. You know that the Lakers um, to win. Both teams are all with their best players, so anything can happen here. Yeah, I think if anything, I think if anything, that this will be more of a test of who has the greater depth. Oh yeah, and the Nets have a lot of depth for their roster. Yeah, it's 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 really going to show who actually has the greater depth on their on their roster as a whole. And as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, you know, I'm looking at the uh, box score right now. Dennis Schroeder is the uh, lead scorer right now for the uh, Lakers with 16 points. Mm. And you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of wondering the fact that the Lake the Lakers already offered him an extension and he turned it down. These when you have when when he has little games like these could poten- it could potentially be you know a showcase for for uh, his potential free agency. Although I will mm-hmm. say he's not helping himself out at all uh with no. the other statistics because he's playing primarily a more one-dimensional game tonight, only scoring, not really providing any any assists or rebounds to go along with his points. So, you know, there's a lot more that they could probably be getting out of Schroeder right now as mm. the starting point guard. But on the, late, or on the uh, Nets, I'm kind of surprised, though, that Kevin Durant has only been limited to two points so far tonight. Uh, yeah, yeah. That may be only, the only surprise. Only six minutes, and it's only six minutes too. He's only played in six yeah. minutes nine seconds, shooting one of four, uh, including mm-hmm. zero for one from three point range, with all, with only two points. Uh, Jeff Green only two points. Lamarcus Aldridge only has four, and Joe Harris isn't even on the board right now. So oh, no. It's, it is it is kind of surprising actually looking at the at the box score for the okay. Nets so far and kind of have to wonder if if perhaps they're going to pick things up later on in the second half because it, it, the team is just too is just too stacked for to, to be putting up yes. the uh, this uh, this few or these few amount of points. From what we're seeing out of specifically out of the starting lineup. Yes, I, was, I mean Kyrie I, Irving. I, I, I so. Yeah, I mean Kyrie Irving is is leading the way with 11 points right now. So Irving right now is the only player who's actually performing up to snub. Which okay, maybe you can you can sort of put Lamarcus Aldridge in that too because I mean he's not the same player that he that he once was all these years but nope you know he's still I agree with you there. He's still a he's still a center so technically centers put up less points so maybe perhaps you know the only two that are really performing up to snub right now uh on out of the starting five for the nets are Kyrie Irving and LaMarcus Aldridge but 
the one question I got to ask you, Lou, is with Kevin Durant seeing a limited minutes so far tonight, could this possibly be perhaps uh, a way of them sort of limiting his playtime because of the fact that he's just coming off of the injury? Absolutely. Surprise me at all. I'm, I mean, it really does. It really does seem that way when I when when I'm looking at specifically what he's what he's done. I mean, one thing one thing that could be possible is maybe perhaps he was taken out because of fouls. He wasn't taken out yes. because of a foul count. So so there's not that. Uh, you know, maybe perhaps it's because they wanted to give people uh they wanted to give uh some more people a chance on the bench i would think so because because i'm looking at the uh at the box score right now and nicholas claxton and timothy luawu cabaret cabaret uh claxton that name sounds so familiar that wouldn't be uh the son of a player named speedy claxton now would it Uh, that I do not know. Well, Claxton's not a very common name, so... Speedy Claxton... Let's see. Mm, No, it does not say anything about Claxton having a son. Okay. So just a coincidence. It must be just a coincidence, yeah, because... Hmm. Well, I mean... Taking a look at it, Cla- Speedy Claxton is 42. Nicholas Claxton, let me look real quick. Nicholas Claxton's 21, so he would have had to have been a father relatively young, at around at, a, at around 21 years old or so, in order for possible. in order for his son to be playing, which is it is possible, yes. I mean, the Griffies did it. <laughs> I know, it's baseball, but still. True. True. And, and you know, speaking of baseball, actually, uh, sort, of, sort of combining basketball and baseball right now, uh, what do you think of the news that Alex Rodriguez has joined in a partnership to purchase the Minnesota, the Minnesota Timberwolves? Alex Rodriguez uh, partnering up with businessman Mark Lohr uh, to – finalize a deal to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves after missing out on buying the New York Mets. Now, the the way it's described is that it's probably going to be where the current majority owner uh is basically going to going to uh manage the team for the next 2 years and then Right. Following these two years, Rodriguez and his partner will then take over. Right, and it's worth it's worth close to one and a half one and a half billion dollars with this arrangement. That's not chump change. So what are, what are your what are your thoughts, Lou, on uh, on a Rod now dive, diving himself into uh, into basketball? Well, I guess he needs something to do after not getting uh, getting uh, broken up by J Lo. So I guess this was his second option. Oh, oh, sorry. Okay. Well, after bombing out with the Mets, you know, um, I just didn't see it though. I mean, he's a baseball guy, so I was thinking, what do we want to do with a basketball team? 
and not for nothing, but this basketball team, you know, the Minnesota Toyota Bulls, as I call it, they're not very good. I mean, they've never been a powerhouse team, so I don't understand why a guy like A-Rod, who, of course, is involved baseball with the Rangers and the Yankees, would want anything to do with a mediocre team. I mean, we can't, I mean, they can't turn everybody into a winner. I mean, Jeter still has yet to really turn the Marlins into a, into a contending team. I mean, they haven't really done much. They haven't won a title or... So, well, you know, I really don't see how he can, you know, transform uh, the Minnesota Wolves into a, into a powerhouse NBA franchise, even with his money. Because well, money doesn't buy the well, championship, regardless of what people think. The Marlins, though, don't forget, they made the playoffs last year. Yeah, I know. And and even though it was a shortened season, if the, if the season was a regular season, they were, uh, you know, they were in – they were on track to make the playoffs anyways, even if it was a regular 162-game season. Yeah, so I wouldn't exactly would say that – what was that? How far they would have gone. I mean, if it was a regular season, would they have made it past the first round or, you know, would they have made it to go all the way? Or really That's a good question. Ah. I mean, last year was different. Anybody could have got in, you know, because that was, you know, an unpredictable season, not by anybody's own fault. But now that we're back to, you know, the full the full throttle, or so we think we are, you know, I don't know. I I don't see how the Marlins are going to, you know, you know, evolve into a, evolve into a playoff team. So, you know, because everybody thinks that money buys championships and whatnot. No, no, it doesn't. If you're not performing, if you're not producing, putting up the numbers or whatnot, I don't care how much you're getting paid or what your name is, because it doesn't matter. It has to be on the field, not off. Yeah, true. What have become Max Kellerman all of a sudden? But, uh, you know, one thing I got to say about the Timberwolves, though, when you take a look at their roster and how they're currently – you know, how, how how the Timberwolves are currently uh, set up, they are still technically a pretty young team. So, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, they're going to be going through the, the growing pains. But they are approaching the point where Carl Anthony Towns, and uh, Kendrick Perkins actually made this point uh, a couple days ago. At this point, Carl Anthony Towns, he should have already been going through the growing pains to begin with. Uh, on any rebuilding team like like uh, like he's on right now, but next year should be that point in time where they take that next step and start becoming a contender. Because otherwise, all you're doing is basically wasting the talent that you have there in Carl Anthony Towns. Right. I mean that that's that's kind of the mistake that happened with the Pelicans. The Pelicans, you know, they they continued to be middle of the pack, you know, not really not really contenders, but not really, uh, you know, bottom uh, cellar dwellers, and it cost them Anthony. Oh, we know it. So, you know, you're you're potentially looking at the Minnesota Timberwolves having the same 
problem here with Carl Anthony. I mean, yeah, there, there is a lot of talent around him. He does have uh, D'Angelo Russell and Ricky Rubio with him. They've also got a- Anthony Edwards, who right now is the front runner to be the rookie of the year. Well, if LaMelo Ball wasn't injured, I'd say maybe he'd have a little bit more of a challenge. But right now it looks like it's going to be Anthony Edwards who's going to win rookie of the year. You know, they they have a whole lot of young talent on that roster, a lot of 22s, a lot of 21s. That's so there's still, yeah, there's still the possibility yeah. that maybe perhaps they can finally get things together here. Uh, maybe it's the fact that they that they just don't have a good enough coach. I don't know. You know, they they did have uh, they did have what's his face Thibodeau, and things fell apart there. I mean, Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, Uncle Tom. Who I mean, you see you see what what he's doing with the New York Knicks. And better, better bringing and bringing them back to uh, you know back to at least talking playoffs. Yeah, I mean after last night's game, I mean yeah because you know although they were down seventeen as much as seventeen points in the first quarter, I mean they came back and and won. It wasn't easy, but they at least came back and won it. So the, the Knicks have got to be doing something right with Thibodeau at the helm. I wasn't expecting too much, but you know. He's holding he's holding up his end of the bargain and he's turning this into a into a decent team for the first time since the Jeremy Lin era. Although short lived. Yeah, and plus, and plus just wait until they get until they get their big man back from injury once he uh, once he eventually yeah. recovers from his leg injury. You know, they're 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 short handed right now, but once once they get him back, you know, yeah. it's very possible that we could potentially see the Knicks go on, not necessarily, a, you know, a run for, for the NBA title, but yeah, at know. least a run to where they can actually be taken seriously as as potential contenders. You know, moving the yeah, right direction as opposed to – moving the right direction as opposed to, you know, being uh, in – Crap in mediocrity, basically. Like I said, crap. And right, right now we are about two minutes away. Uh, UMass, well, uh-huh. hanging on to that five nothing lead right now. Uh, yeah. Headed towards the shutout from what we're looking like here because we got a minute and a half to go. Saint, yeah, Saint Cloud State has just—they haven't been able to put up anything on UMass so far tonight. Let's talk about let's talk a little bit about March Madness. Yeah, I think say we can say first, we were not we were not expecting that. You mean the final or the final four? The final. Well, you know what, Steve. Every time I make a prediction, it goes the opposite direction. I was expecting a close game. And did I get it? No, of course not. So was I surprised by the outcome that by the outcome of that? Absolutely not. I made predictions to be a close game. It was anything but. So I'm not surprised at all. 
Now, maybe the rest of you are because, of course, I think anybody was betting 99% took Gonzaga anyway and probably lost a few bucks, and Baylor just outshined him. The thing is that, you know, okay, I know you're going to think I'm crazy for saying this, but I think after coming off such an emotional win uh, in the the Final Four against UCLA, I think it took a lot out of – out of Gonzaga, and they just, and they just, you know, kind of lost the momentum, and Baylor was able to take advantage of it. I mean, they're riding high and still thinking about Saturdays, and they forgot. Oops, we got another game to play, so we got to get our act together. But somehow they got lost it, and Baylor, you know, they got, got to a such an explosive start that Gonzaga couldn't find its way back. Mm, you know, I can kind of, I can kind of see where where you're going with that, Lou, because. Thank God. You know, it's sort of like how it's sort of like how when when people face the Patriots, everybody sees mm-hmm. it as their Super Bowl, basically. As yeah. whoever team, whatever sure. team is facing the Patriots, a lot of people uh, during the Brady era saw that as their Super Bowl, and right. You know, you could kind of. I, I mean, I understand. You know, Gonzaga they had been the favorites for the entire tournament. And the fact that they were just merely seconds away from, you know, being eliminated and not even getting a chance at the, uh, at the, at the finals, the fact that they won in the fashion that they did, I can kind of see where, you know, maybe they were a little emotionally spent or I'm kind of thinking that it's more along the lines of they took they took Baylor lightly. And UMass has won the college hockey tournament by nothing with the cloud. Yeah, and you know, you know, just that that last shot that we saw there from uh, from St. Cloud State that that was just basically the epitome of their entire uh, their entire game tonight the fact that attempting a, attempting a backhand like that yeah in the in the, the last final shots and it completely completely missed the net I, that right there is basically basically sums up uh the entire game that had gone on that had gone on uh today but yeah this uh they are UMass the UMass Minutemen are officially back on top uh, after 15 yep. years away, uh, the Minutemen are officially national champions once again. And this is the first. I time heard it was I their first title. Quite... Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of the Bean Pot. I think. Right. I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the Bean Pot. But, right. I, I've heard uh, that one. though. I've heard about that one. But you know the the. Uh, Actually, they were supposed to have uh, Hockey East was supposed to have a All Hockey East final, I think, a yeah. couple of years ago, before uh, before Providence and I think it was Boston College that got that ended up getting postponed for some reason, uh, and it never ended up happening. But it you know it was supposed to have been an All Hockey East final that that ultimately crumbled. So yeah, I wonder what happened. You know, it, it it is good though to see UMass back on top because 
apart from basketball, yeah. hockey is one of their biggest sports that they have on campus. So yeah, I guarantee even they're not a bad basketball team either. I guarantee you. You know, I should probably I should probably keep an eye on uh, on the local news here because uh, there are probably going to be riots on the UMass campus tonight. Yeah, but it's all because, it's not going to be like they're going to go out and beat up everybody else. This is just you know in celebration. Nothing no, more no. Than when that. I say when I when I say riots, I'm thinking of sort of like sort of like what happened, you know, when the Red Sox won uh, in 2004, where people where people basically crowded the streets. Or, yeah, I know. Or maybe maybe perhaps you know UMass may light a few fires on campus. Who knows? Right. Uh, but you know, it's it's a very big night and a very big tournament actually. And yeah, you yes. you are right. It was their first Division One hockey title in uh, in university Congratulations, history. Congratulations, UMass. And I'll tell you one thing: my coworkers are definitely going to be uh, are definitely going to be up in arms. Uh, Monday morning when I get back when I get back to work because they are huge, huge UMass fans. Well, it's my uh, best friend. One, she's gonna. She's I, that, if she's not listening, she, if she's not hearing the game, she'll hear from me this week because she's a big UMass fan. Ah, yeah, the, so the, the, there's some of the some of the some of the biggest UMass fans that I know actually, uh, and that was the literally the only thing they could talk about yesterday was the fact that uh, that UMass somehow beat uh, Minnesota in overtime like they did. Yeah. But uh, back to uh, back to March Madness, though. You know, with, with Baylor and Gonzaga, it just wasn't even close all the way from the start. Baylor got off no. to – I forget how big of a lead they got off. Wait a minute. Let me check the game stats and let me see if they have the – if they have the uh, – no, they don't have. I I can't find the uh, the half by half uh, box score, but it it just seemed like Gonzaga was completely off all the way from the very beginning. You know, and they got themselves into so, into uh, so big of a hole that there was no way that they would be able that they'd be able to climb out of it basically. And with how Baylor, yeah. it, it kind of seemed like Gonzaga was sort of uh, was sort of allergic to defense because it almost lo- it looked like almost every single three point attempt by Baylor was wide open. Yeah. I mean, t- taking a look defense? at Baylor's box score, ju- just yeah. taking a look at Taylor's or uh, at Baylor's box score. Jared Butler four for nine. From three-point yeah. range, twenty-two points, twenty-two point seven assists, three rebounds for Butler. Uh, you had Masio Teague, who went two for three from three points, uh, nineteen points overall, two rebounds. You had Davian Mitchell, uh, fifteen points, five assists, six rebounds. Primarily was shooting from the uh, from the inside uh, the inside perimeter. He only went one for yeah. four from three. Uh, you also had Adam Flagler with 13 points, two rebounds, two assists. It, it just seemed like the shots were falling for Baylor, and exactly. and Gonzaga uh, um, was kind of 
Gonzaga was kind of allergic to defense. That's a new one, allergic to defense. Uh, I can't shoot. Uh, I have an allergy to defense. <laughs> but anyway, what does this do for Jalen Suggs' um, draft status? Uh, you know, uh, I mean, t- just just taking a look at the at the tournament that he had. I mean, he did put up a big showing in the uh, in the finals. Twenty two points. Yes. Granted, he only had three assists and one rebound. Uh, he did right. shoot fifty. Uh, he did shoot over fifty percent from from the field. Uh-huh. Uh, right. Two for five from three. You know, I I don't think it's really going to hurt him that much. With how even though even though Gonzaga lost, considering the fact that he did put up numbers. Yeah, you know it, it shouldn't. I don't think it will really do do a number on his draft on his uh, draft stock. Oh, okay. I thought since you know, I mean, the team had a bad game, but he did not. I mean, he actually had twenty three points. But I just thought you know, since you know, I mean, a few days ago, I mean, before that, when he hit the winning shot, I mean, you know, he was the buzz all around it. But then after the after the team's atrocious performance in the final, I thought maybe that would just you know is. So I say his stock would have plummeted. Well, from what I'm looking goes. at right now, it look, from what I'm looking at right now, it looks like he is still a top three, uh, a top three pick. Top three. Ooh, better than I thought. From uh, from from one of the one of the mock drafts I'm looking at right now, following oh. the NCAA tournament, uh, it has him going number three overall to the Detroit Pistons. The mock draft. Now who is mock? Now who is mock draft? Is this? Uh, it is uh, SB Nation. I think it. I think it's uh, uh-huh. they go by. I heard. I don't really follow them too much, but I know. I know who they are. Yeah, SB Nation has them at. Uh, you know, ha- has them at at, at taking uh, Jalen Suggs with the number three pick right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, taking a look at. NBA draft room, just, you know, just looking at some other sites here, NBA draft room had him as a top five pick even before right. the, uh, you know, e- even before the, well, what does um, Woj uh, say? For me what does Woj have to say? I haven't seen his, uh, really? I haven't seen his, his, his recent, uh, his recent talk. Oh, he's losing his touch. Hmm. Well, maybe just, maybe just because I haven't I haven't really paid attention a lot to Woj unless unless it has something to do with uh, with you know a trade deadline or something. Considering he's one of the first with either a trade deadline or uh, or you know free agency. Uh, right. But you know what? Actually, looking at the most recent mock draft for for NBA Draft dot net, which took place, uh, their most recent mock draft was on the twenty ninth. And they still had they had Jalen Suggs going number three, to at the time it was Houston, uh, but obviously since then Detroit has fallen or ha- has won a little bit and they've they've uh, fallen down one spot in the draft. Yeah. But you know I, I think, didn't think it was going to be I that think, high, but I, I could be wrong. 
Yeah, you know, I think one of the uh, I think one of the one of the prospects to to potentially keep an eye on though is Moses Moody uh, from Arkansas. With him have with him, you know, not really showing up in the NCAA draft or I mean in the NCAA tournament. You know, he he's been seen primarily as a lottery pick. Uh, considering he he is one of our he is Arkansas's best player that they have, you know uh, there were mock drafts that had him going as high as number five, and actually one of the ones I'm looking at right now, uh, NBA Draft.net, has him going at number seven. To the uh, at the time it was the Toronto Raptors. I don't know if it's changed uh, since or whatnot, but you know there. It's looking right now that perhaps he has dropped potentially uh, to borderline lottery. Uh-huh. Borderline. Actually, uh, that, look. that could be tricky, though. Let me take a look at that was updated on the twenty sixth. No, let me t- let me take a look at the at the uh, most recent one that I that I looked at because okay here's one from MSN Uh, they've got Jalen Suggs going number three so it does look like Suggs is a consensus top three pick regardless of where he falls And let me see, where do they have Moody falling here? They have got Moody at number 12 to the Pacers. So, okay. You know, here's the thing, too. He's 18. You know, he's he's leaving, he's choosing to leave Arkansas after his freshman year. No, I mean, no one and done he, he does. Yeah, he's a he's a one and done. Um, now his bad run in the tournament it did bring to light some of the primary concerns that scouts have had surrounding his uh, surrounding the toolbox of talent that he brings to the court and his overall readiness to actually be able to play in the NBA to begin with. Right. Um, I mean, the thing is, he has a good frame. It says here he has a good frame and he looks the part, but lacks the explosiveness and struggles to finish regularly in traffic. Uh, there is appealing upside, but he did have a solid freshman year on the whole. Uh, but his range looks more likely to be late lottery and onward than top 10 at this point. Hmm. So it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, with some of these, with, with some of the prospects, uh, that are going into the draft, it, it kind of makes you wonder how much does the how much do NBA teams actually take their play uh, in the tournament into account, or do they look at it overall? You know, like what kind of season? Okay, they may have played badly in the yeah. tournament, but what kind of season did they have overall? Well, they had a very well. They they went well. Gonzaga did go almost undefeated, 
They did, yeah. They just ran into a uh, into an upstart Baylor team, uh, right. which basically ran through them like a bulldozer. Okay, I was going to say a buzzsaw, but okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. The hang on a minute. Where is you know what? There's another thing that uh, that came out that, that came this week, and that was uh, the Panthers acquiring Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. In exchange for in exchange for a sixth rounder this year and a second and a fourth rounder next year. Now the first thing I gotta ask is how the hell were they even able to get a second rounder, let alone a yeah. second and a fourth for Darnold? I mean, what are your okay, thoughts early on on that, Lou? Yeah, but I'm just glad Darnold's gone from our side because he didn't do anything really except maybe a few a few good games in his first season, but after that he just well, he just dropped off like a rock. And, you know, he really wasn't our type of guy. So now he's the Panthers problem. And I don't know about the rest of you well, the rest of y'all, but uh I'm a heavy camper. <laughs> I think the uh, one of the one of the big things though is could it perhaps be on the coaching? Like, was it maybe the coaching? As it far is a as possibility, why... I mean, we can't blame it all on just Darnold. I mean, you know, bad coaching. I mean, Gaze was a terrible coach. You know, whoever thought he was a yeah, genius, he... I think I think I think his brain dead. You know, yeah, he I mean, followed that, his lead know, and it didn't a... pay off. Yeah, that's that's another thing when it when it comes to when it comes to to Sam Darnold, you know, uh he was seen quite often uh at USC as being one of the uh, one of the quarterbacks of the future, you know, in the uh in the NFL, you know, that when they were comparing quarterbacks in that in that draft class, you know, a lot of people saw Darnold with more upside than you know than than a lot of people uh, a lot of people thought yeah so the fact that he's gotten off to such a poor start to his uh, to his mm-hmm. NFL career and key uh, uh, one thing to keep in mind is the Jets they didn't really have that many weapons for him the yep. how many years was he with the Jets the three years that he was with three. New York. Yeah, so you know, I don't really know if you can if you can put all of that on him. I mean, you t- just take a look at his. No, first no, you years. can't. I mean, I'm I'm a bit harsh on him, but like I said, you know, there was so much hype surrounding him, and he just didn't live up to it. And you know, that's been that's always been the Jets' problems. Every we haven't really had a good quarterback since. Well, um, I hate to say, it, but Sanchez. I mean, at least he got the two, uh, you know, AFC title games. We lost, but at least we got there. So at least we did something. At least we did something with him. Um, or the brief uh, season we had with Brett Favre, he didn't get us to a playoff, but at least he gave us a decent season. So anything, you know, past that, the Jets with the quarterbacks haven't really done anything. 
Yeah. You know, it's it, it, the thing with Darnold is you take a look at you take a look at his uh, his stats. Yes. His first year, he he had he went 17, 17 and fifteen, seven, 17 touchdowns, fifteen picks. Uh, mm-hmm. He threw for close to, for close to three thousand yards. Uh, completion percentage of fifty seven point seven percent. His second year, and keep in mind he missed three year or he missed three uh, yes, three yes. starts. So he didn't he ha- he has not had a fully healthy season yet in the NFL. Right. Uh, his second year. He had he he completed a uh, larger percentage of his of his passes sixty one point nine percent for over three thousand yards uh, nineteen touchdowns thirteen picks this year he he played in one less game twelve games he completed only fifty nine point six percent of his passes with nine touchdowns and eleven picks and. Part of that makes me think that it was mainly because he didn't have the weapons that he that he would have had. I mean, he had in his second year he had Robbie Anderson, and obviously Robbie Anderson uh, was with Carolina this past year. You know, it's I think it's more of a now that he's going to Carolina, he he does have more weapons there. Uh, you know he's got he doesn't have a coach who thinks he's the hot shit and uh doesn't have a, a dysfunctional you know a, a dysfunctional uh plan like like uh, Adam yeah. Gase had so maybe perhaps yeah. talk about dysfunction you know, you know maybe perhaps Matt Rule will uh will be able to get more out of Darnold than yeah, what than than what Adam Gase was able to. I mean, I just just taking a look at the fact that Carolina has told uh, Teddy Bridgewater to see they've given him permission to seek a trade elsewhere. You know that basically tells me that they're planning on going with Darnold as their starter. Mm. Well. Lots of luck with that one, people. You're going to need it. Well, don't forget, he's also going to have he's going to have Christian McCaffrey. If, if McCaffrey can stay healthy, McCaffrey too. Christian huh? McCaffrey, yeah. Christian McCaffrey is easily yeah. his best uh, is easily his best weapon that he's ever had in his career so far. Yeah, but he's so injury prone too. Yeah, but another you want thing to take too a chance in a hot mess they, like that. Another thing too is though they don't have Mike Davis anymore, so they don't have anybody uh, reliable to back up uh, McCaffrey like Davis yeah. was able to. So, I think McCaffrey's probably going to be a little more. I think they're going to be a little more careful with McCaffrey in terms of what plays. They yeah, we get better. But I mean, just just taking a look though at that Panthers, uh, at that pan, you know that Panthers uh, wide receiver list. I mean, the fact j- just just looking at it uh, right now, 
you know, they they already have better weapons for him than the Jets ever had. And I don't know why I'm looking at the defense here. I'm not focused on the defense. I'm looking I'm looking for the uh this figures, you know. The offense they I'm I'm looking for the offense, but for some reason when I click on the depth chart on ESPN, they show the defense. Okay, so oh, for the wide receivers, for their wide receivers, you got DJ Moore, who is their number one starter. You got Robbie Anderson. Mm-hmm. Those two right there are already better than what he had last year with the Jets. You got Christian McCaffrey as your starting running back. I assume they're probably going to add another, perhaps in, uh, you know, in the draft or something, or maybe maybe potentially get one of the holdouts that's uh, that's currently going through free agency right now. Uh, they got Dan Arnold at tight end. You know, there's ugh, actually come to think of it, at tight end they don't really have anybody. Dan Arnold's probably their now their biggest. Well, I mean, not really, but it's, you know, you would like to have more at, at the tight end spot compared to what they have right now. Hey, we got a good game now here, too, with the Lakers and the Nets. See, I told you, I, 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 yeah. like I said earlier, you know, yeah. uh, the second half, expect, expect Brooklyn to to somehow get, uh, you know, get their asses in gear and mm-hmm. – Makes things a little more interesting, and you know, looking just looking at the uh, at the updated box score right now, Drummond is up to thirteen, Schroeder's up to nineteen for the uh, for the Lakers. As far as the Nets go, Durant, you know, you you didn't you wouldn't have expected Durant to stay at you know two points uh, with the limited amount of time that he was seeing, but now he's up to thirteen on six of nine shooting. Uh, through 13, 13 minutes and fourteen seconds, Aldridge mm-hmm. he's pretty much he's pretty much performing at the pace that I that I've been expecting him to. Uh, Twelve yes. points right now. Uh, Kyrie Irving he scored seven more since we last uh, since we last talked about this game. Um, right. And the bench the bench hasn't really done much, so it's basically. Mm. You know the the starting or three of the starting five have have uh, woken up basically, and that's why that's why you're seeing it as uh, as tight as it is right now. Yeah, a far cry from the first quarter, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely a. Uh, a I mean, you know, from, from the looks uh, of it earlier, you, I thought maybe the Nets were going to be in for a major case of well, I'll use the term lightly, whoop ass. Well, it really did look like that, actually. When yes, when you know, when you take when you take a look at uh, at the uh, the point differential, mm. and that's the word for the uh, day, boys and girls. Whoop ass! Now, staying with the NFL, we do have a little bit of a. Uh, I'm pretty sure you probably heard about this. Uh, yes. There was a shooting. That took place in South Carolina earlier this week. Uh, And the man who slaughtered five people on Wednesday, including two children at a home in South Carolina, 
has officially been identified as former NFL player Philip Adams. Uh, he right. was a seventh-round pick in the 2010 NFL draft. He stormed a home in Rock Hill, South Carolina, on Wednesday afternoon and shot five people to death. The victims were identified as 70-year-old Dr. Robert, or Robert, Dr. Robert Leslie, his 69-year-old wife, Barbara Leslie, and their grandchildren, nine-year-old, nine-year-old Ada oh. Leslie and five-year-old Noah Leslie. A fifth victim, 38-year-old James Lewis, was working at the home when the gunman opened fire and, killing, and killed him. Uh, a sixth person was shot, but that person did survive, and I don't know if they're still being treated, but he was treated at a nearby, excuse me, at a nearby hospital. And later, third, uh, what's it called? On Thursday morning, officials then found the body of Philip Adams, who appeared to have taken his own life around midnight Thursday morning by the way of gunshot. Right. And it says here that according to reports, there was a connection between Adams and the victims. The the football player's parents live in the area, and Philip had pr- reportedly been previously treated by Dr. Robert Leslie. I see. Uh, now, Adams, he was a star defensive back at South Carolina State in the late 2000s uh, before being drafted by the 49ers in 2010. He bounced around the league to the New England Patriots and the Oakland Raiders, uh, playing in 52 NFL games before his NFL career ended uh, following the 2013 season, where he was basically a washout, essentially. Yes. Um, now, his father spoke out about the situation on Thursday, telling uh, a local uh, news station that his son was a good kid until football messed him up. So basically, he's... he's Apparently, they're now investigating uh, if CTE played a factor in it. Right. There was reports about that, that uh, the CTE may have uh, played a part in it. You know, I mean, when, you're, when your brain is messed up, you know, you don't know, what, you don't know what's going to happen. Who knows what you're capable or not capable of doing. So... You know, I mean, it is a, tra- it is a tragedy to do what happened to those people, but CTE, you know, does do damage to the brain, does alter your thinking, and who knows even who knows if he was even aware that even that even did it before turning the gun on himself. Yeah. Now uh, there was an update too that said, uh, according to the York County Sheriff Kevin Tolson. He told the media at a news conference that there was no indication that Adams had had a patient-doctor relationship with Dr. Robert Leslie. Uh, He added that investigators have yet to find a clear motive, saying that there's nothing about this that makes any sense. And as for that sixth gunshot victim, uh, they were getting treatment, but they, uh, according to Tolson, that person was in very critical condition. That was as of Thursday. And so far there has been no update uh, following that. But, you know, it's, 
it's it, it's kind it's kind of hard to believe that you know it would really yeah. that you can really you know sort of attest this to CPE because uh. I mean maybe per, maybe perhaps you know he committed suicide afterwards realizing what he did or yeah you know it's it it's still a shame. Yeah, it's 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 just hard to believe though because I mean I understand you know Junior yeah. Seau, you know he ended up shooting oh, himself, yeah. Yeah. Uh, killing himself, and they attributed that to CTE. And you can call, you can kind of you know kind of now that I think of it maybe CTE does play a part uh, in it because yeah I'm, I keep I keep thinking back when we're talking about murder I keep thinking back to uh, Chris Benoit the professional wrestler uh, in 2007 who uh, who murdered both his wife and his son before killing himself after realizing what he had done. So it, it kind of makes me, it kind of makes me think that maybe perhaps, you know, CTE did play a did play a part in it. I would be surprised. It, it, it you know it's just hard to fathom though considering yeah all the considering all the stuff that the the fact that you know they all they talk about gun control and all this and all this shit. And you know we have not just not just this, but we also had that other, uh, you know, that super mall or that supermarket shooting that took place about what a week yes. or two ago. Yes. You know, it's just it's just kind of hard, kind of hard to fathom it at this point. That stuff like this can still can still happen, but. You know, maybe maybe perhaps CTE does play a huge part in this, and the reason why is is mainly because of the fact that he ended up killing himself afterwards. You can take a you can you can think of it as two different ways. You can think of it as they can't believe what they have done, or they can take, or you can take it as them realizing that their life is basically over, anyways. Once they ended up uh, ended up getting arrested, you know, he was probably facing yeah. probably facing life at this uh, at, at this point on multiple homicides. And I would assume it probably would have been first degree murder. So, you know, it's, maybe perhaps that might be why he took his own life. Well, I don't know if we'll ever get a clear answer, really, but I think that could be the reason there. Yeah, you know, like like I said, who knows if we if we'll really get a clear answer specifically about it because you know there's 
there's different variables that could potentially be at play. You know, it could be CTE, could be maybe perhaps he had a vendetta against the guy. I don't know why he would, but, you know, there's different angles that you can look at it, essentially. Um. Now there is a, there is one uh, you know I I, I mentioned uh, Chris Benoit uh, you know a little bit ago. Let me ask you this, Lou. How stupid? Because obviously tonight is WrestleMania. Yeah. How stupid? How stupid is it to hold a wrestling show? In an open stadium. Uh, yeah, it's pretty know, dumb. When you know that is that there is perhaps a shot that weather could play a factor in the show. And I mean, they did. They're it, doing it with uh, no crowd they, either. I mean, that makes even that makes even more ridiculous. No, actually, they do have a crowd. They have a crowd of at least twenty five thousand people there tonight. Wow. At Raymond James Stadium, an open air open air stadium in the middle of a pandemic. Uh, no, not a smart move. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think Florida is the only uh, the only state so far. I think that has that has gone to that length. Texas. Oh yeah, Texas too. I forgot about that. Uh, and that kind of that kind of makes sense, especially uh, to considering. I hate to talk about politics, but considering the type of uh, government they got there, um, does not surprise me at all. Actually, it doesn't surprise me at all. Actually, that they would be one of the uh, one of the first ones to have uh, to have anywhere close to full crowds. Uh, but actually, you know, for a WrestleMania, this is this is actually probably about a third of what they would normally get, a third or maybe a quarter yeah, of what they would third. normally get for a WrestleMania. Because usually for a WrestleMania, they get anywhere from seventy to eighty thousand fans. Right. Well, twenty five thousand is still a big crowd. You know. Oh no. Considering it's still, it's still you know definitely. what's. I mean, considering you know under the circumstances. Yeah, definitely. And actually, they opened tonight's uh, tonight's event. They opened tonight's event on uh, on Peacock, uh, the uh, streaming platform from uh, yes, for NBC I, Universal. I uh, they opened tonight's event addressing the crowd. Uh, you know, after I think they said it was like a year and a day, a year no, a year, a month, and a day since the last time they had a WWE crowd. Uh, the size of what they of what they have tonight. Yep. And, um, you know that got such a huge uh, that drew such a huge buzz, not just in in Tampa but also on social media and everything. Um, right. Vin, Vince McMahon he gave he gave quite a big speech about uh, about being able to finally entertain the fans. Uh, in, you know, in front of live fans once again. Um, they did not, however, account for rain, as it has been 
or through, at least throughout the whole day today in Tampa, it was downpouring. I heard thunder thunderstorms, and actually, this year's Ooh. event, this year's event became the first WrestleMania in history to be delayed by weather. As that was the first time for everything, folks. Yeah, and. This this year's WrestleMania is no different. They became the first. Good God, that cage door is huge. Uh, they became the first WrestleMania to be delayed by by any sort of weather. I mean, hell, they went in. They they had a WrestleMania in uh, uh, MetLife Stadium back like eight years ago, and they wrestled in the in the freezing cold. You know, that didn't stop them from getting the show uh, going on time. Tonight we had anywhere from, I think it was like a 30 to a 45-minute delay uh, to the show because of of rain. and Well, not because of rain, but because of lightning in the area, actually. That'll do it every time. So, you know, it's 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 just the, the fact that This kind of explains why they should have events like these take place inside a closed stadium. Because there was the potential. I was looking at the forecast tonight, and there was the potential that the rain could go all the way up until midnight in the Tampa area. And so far, they've been lucky since the show show, uh, officially got started at around 840. uh, They've been lucky so far to have gotten a significant portion of the show already done. Uh, but I, I mean, Lou, what, doesn't this, you know, further establish why it's smarter to have indoor events uh, as opposed yeah. to, I mean, I mean, obviously, obviously it's different, you know, if you're playing baseball or, or football, you know, it's different. Uh, you know, when you have an outdoor sport like that, but alligator wrestling. When you have, when you have uh, an indoor sport like wrestling, I mean, they they only started like the first outdoor. Well, actually, I shouldn't say the first outdoor WrestleMania because the first outdoor one was at Caesar's Palace uh, back I at I think it was WrestleMania nine, um, but. You know they really oh, the only days. started. Yeah, they you know they really only started actually doing them at outdoor arenas uh, full time beginning in beginning with WrestleMania. I think it was twenty eight, which was in Miami, Florida, um, at the. Uh, God, what what college arena is down in Miami? Uh, University of, of Florida. No, it's one of the bowls. I think. Hang on a minute. Maybe it maybe it was at uh at the at the University of Miami, because um, I know they had. No, it was at Sun Life Stadium in Miami Gardens. Uh, in Florida, in Florida, you know, it. Ever since they started with that event, they've pretty much been been relying on outdoor stadiums because they feel they can put on a bigger presentation. 
in order to, uh, you know, with, with them having an outside arena. But I think tonight showed that, yeah, you can't exactly, you know, rely on the weather to always uh, be, you know, on your side, basically. Now, we do have an update on the Deshaun Watson uh, situation. What's the count up to now? Well, actually, he did get a bit of a win for himself um, earlier yesterday as Actually, you know what? Before that, I'm going to go a little bit, a little bit more, uh, a little bit back to uh, the press conference that was done by uh, Tony Busby and uh, one of the accusers who came forward uh, bravely revealing her name. Uh, you know, they basically documented every single thing that, that had supposedly happened to her. Uh, then apparently Deshaun Watson's attorney fired back and said that the accuser who came out in public, she reportedly demanded a hundred thousand dollars in hush money before they officially started going after him with lawsuits. To me, Lou, this kind of screams that this is just looking for a payday. I wouldn't be surprised. The fact that the fact that they were so quick to demand a hundred thousand dollars in hush money before filing the lawsuit, and Watson's attorney here's the yeah. kicker: Watson's attorney he claims that he has the emails to prove this. Hmm. And uh, the emails were sent by Tony Busby associate Cornelia Branfield Harvey to one of Watson's representative on February 9th, spelling out the demand, basically quoted as saying, my client's demand is $100,000 and, quote, this offer remains open until Friday of this week. Uh, that was back That was back on February 9th. Uh, Hardin claimed that Deshaun's representative pushed back against the demand in the following email response. Uh, we do, saying we don't believe that the alleged facts show that Deshaun did anything wrong with regards to Miss Solis, but we are nevertheless happy to continue the conversation around a reasonable settlement figure because we believe he can learn a lesson about having put himself in this situation. Busby's response to that: We made a legit demand. You rejected it. We won't be making another bid against ourselves. We won't be making another or bid against ourselves. We also won't be having an extended dialogue about why you think your client did nothing wrong or how you want this to be a learning experience for your high-profile athlete, as you refer to him. This is Houston, Texas. Perhaps you should find him a lawyer here so you can apprise both you and your client of the landscape here and who you are dealing with. Talk soon. Now, to me, that kind of sounds like a threat and sort of, Basically, sort of trying to pressure uh, Deshaun into paying the money that he's refusing to fork over. Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Lou? I mean, does, does, does it seem like it's it's 
it's looking a little sketchy, considering the fact that... Oh, I thought it was sketchy from the beginning. Considering the fact that it's such a huge demand to begin with. Yeah. I thought it was sketchy right from and, the start. It's, you know, it's just, it's just growing and growing and growing. And, you know, the big thing about this, too, is that Deshaun, he has lost endorsement deals from Nike and also from Beats by Dr. Dre as well over this. Yeah. As they've, you know, they've uh, they've suspended, uh, you know, their, their deals for the time being. Uh, now... You know, I don't. I don't know if this mean if this means that because they didn't officially say that they had terminated, just that they had suspended no. their endorsement deals, which is two completely different things. Right, of course. Uh, now, Deshaun Watson's lawyer uh, Harden he did say uh, that he he further claimed that Deshaun did not force, coerce, or intimidate anyone to do anything against their will. Uh, now, here's the thing. All the women, they filed their lawsuits using the, the pseudonym Jane Doe, and only two of the women had That'll come work. out at the time and identified themselves publicly. Uh, right. Hardin said, Hardin said, Mr. Busby's use of anonymous lawsuits violates Texas law and the basic concept of fairness. It is clear that for Mr. Busby, this case has never been about seeking justice in a courtroom, but destroying Deshaun's reputation to enhance his own public profile and enrich himself. Uh, While I understand that anonymity is often used as a shield for victims, Mr. Busby is using it as a sword. While shielding his clients from public scrutiny, Mr. Busby continues to use their anonymous allegations to destroy Mr. Watson. This is simply not right, and we look forward to resolving these matters in court. And, you know, it kind of makes sense. You don't really – I don't think we've ever really seen a case like this to this scope to where most That's of them knowledge. decided – to where most of them decided to file everything, you know, anonymously. Yes, I mean, in my knowledge, I haven't seen anything like this either. I mean, hell, we even had the uh, in the Bill Cosby in the in the the Bill Cosby situation. You know, yeah. his accusers his accusers named themselves. You know, you would think that you would think that that these women would want to would want people to know just exactly what he did to them. But the fact that now they haven't identified themselves, only two of them have identified themselves. Yes. I, I, it just it just seems really fishy to me. Unless unless they're worried that this is going to, you know, that this is going to uh, negatively affect their business or their respective mm. businesses. Yes. And it will. I mean, I just, I don't see why else 
I don't see why why else that they would you know that they would be going through with this unless the fact that it was it was a cash uh it was an attempt at at uh you know basically defamation and also you know uh, an attempt at potentially getting money out of it cuz you kind of have to wonder yeah. if that uh you know if 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 his relationship with the uh Texas ownership with the Houston ownership if it had never you know gotten to the position where it's been yeah would would this have even happened you know if Houston, no. if if no. if Deshaun was still on good terms with Houston would this have ever would this have ever happened not at all. This never would have happened. I mean, there's been a lot of it's, stupid things uh, lately. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the, Watson and his camp, they, they're continuing uh, to say that uh, they're continuing to deny the allegations and they are in, they're continuing to insist that the women are lying in an attempt to force a payout. Now, uh, what's it called? Um, Watson also had a whole bunch of, uh, they had a whole bunch of uh, masseuses that he's worked with in the past that have said that, you know, he he has never done anything uh, in a sexual way to them. Now that's a little bit skeptical because it kind of, kind of makes me wonder if maybe perhaps, you know, there's a little bit of guilt there. The fact that he's having people come out and defend him like this after he after he had a whole bunch of uh, negative reaction. However, he did notch a small victory uh, yesterday where a judge ruled in Texas that one of his accusers must reveal her identity if she plans to move forward with her lawsuit. Uh, And also, I believe it wasn't just one. I believe there were 12 others that also were ruled that they have to reveal their identities or drop their lawsuits. Um, and attorney Tony Busby did say that nine of his cli- nine of his clients, so nine of the twenty one, had agreed to a re- to reveal their lawsuits using their real name instead of the uh, alias Jane Doe. Uh, the old Jane Doe bit. I do find it funny though that yeah, it took it took court action for them to reveal themselves. Well, they haven't revealed themselves yet, but you know what I mean. Right. Of course. Now, this takes an even bigger turn because they had gone from Deshaun has never had any sexual relationship with any of the with any of the masseuses to now saying that the quarterback admits he has had sexual encounters with some of his massage therapists over the years, but insists that it was always consensual. And 
a report. So Rusty Harden, he did say, were there consensual encounters? Yes. A reporter then followed up with the question. So you're saying on Instagram, Deshaun reached out to some of these women booking a legitimate massage and then engaged in consensual sex acts with some of these women. Harden then said on some occasions, some sexual activities would have taken place. I'm not going into what it is or the nature or the numbers or with whom, but I think you can rightfully assume that. Uh, now, it's a question we have always been emphasizing, never at any time under any circumstances did this young man ever engage in anything that was not mutually desired by the other party. Basically, the point of his was to basically point out that Deshaun deserves a fair shot to defend himself in court instead of letting the case play out in the media. Um. But, you know, several questions still remain, specifically now regarding the fact that supposedly he has had sexual activity with some of the various therapists. Uh, Hardin, for example, explained that Watson gets roughly 150 massages per year to keep his body in prime shape for his job as an NFL quarterback. He also said it's not unusual for millennials to use Instagram to find businesses to patronize, including massage therapists, which, I mean, to be fair, that is kind of true. You know, we have seen stuff like that, you know, take place. But, you know, I just – it just seems like this whole, this whole thing takes different turns every single day almost. Like I'm shocked something new hasn't come out now, like today. But – what what do you what do you think what do you think about this, Lou? Do you I mean, it, it, does it feel like it's taking a bit of an odd turn? Like maybe perhaps there is more to this than what is than what has been uncovered so far. Well, from what I'm hearing every day, I mean, it just seems to get more and more bizarre. So uh, yeah, there's there has there has been more to it. I mean, and there's more uh, coming forward. You know. Every day. First, it was like it's just like five or ten. Now it's uh, what uh, four hundred or whatever, and like whatnot. Ugh. I mean, it just it just keeps just going add, adding up. I mean, it hasn't it's like stopped. Twenty-one. It's yeah, it's twenty-one or twenty-two. Yeah, uh, let's check. Accusers. Who knows? That might be up by the time the show is over. <laughs> yeah, you know, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked actually if there's a new report that comes out. Um, Yeah, I I would not be shocked at all. I would Um, be shocked before this broadcast ends. Yeah. You know, one other thing that is coming up this week is the NHL trade deadline. Yep. And it's, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's 3 p.m. Monday. I know it's Monday. I don't know if it's 3 or if it's 4. Okay, that's what I thought. Um we have already seen quite a few trades go down in the NHL or uh, 
earlier this week and also today actually uh some of the some of the the trades as are as follows uh the Toronto Maple Leafs they acquired Riley Nash from the Columbus Blue Jackets in exchange for a conditional 7th yep. round pick in in the 2022 NHL draft the selection will become a 6th round pick if Nash appears in 25% of the Maple Leafs playoff games this year uh Nash is currently out with a sprained knee that he suffered last Sunday uh he was slated to miss 4 to 6 weeks he does have two goals and seven points. Now, keep in mind, he is a fourth-line center, so that kind of makes sense. Of course. Uh, yes. Two goals and seven points with 21 blocks and 33 hits in 37 games this season. Uh, the acquisition also extends Toronto's long-term injured reserve space heading into the trade deadline, and Nash could still be an option for the team in the postseason. Uh However, Columbus was not done as earlier today oh, – I just lost my spot um, – but earlier today they acquired – or they shipped out David Savard from the, uh, from the Blue Jackets. They shipped out David Savard from, or to the Tampa Bay Lightning as part of a three-team trade that also involved the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Columbus gets in return, they get Tampa Bay's first round pick this year, as well as a third round pick in 2022. Detroit, meanwhile, gets Tampa Bay's fourth round pick this year, while the Red Wings send Brian Lashoff uh, to the Columbus Blue Jackets. However, the biggest perk of this deal is the additional cap relief for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, as Columbus is retaining half of David Savard's remaining four and a quarter million dollar cap hit. Uh, wait, hang on. Okay, I think the I think the uh, the thing that I the the site that I'm reading off of here uh, sort of said this the wrong way because it says here that Columbus is retaining half of Savard's remaining four and a quarter million dollar cap hit who then sent Savard to Detroit. I think they mean sending Lashoff uh, or Lashoff was then sent to to uh, Columbus. Uh, the Red Wings, the, oh okay I get it. So uh, Columbus oh. originally sent Savard to Detroit retaining half of Savard's cap hit. So they would be so Detroit basically uh, would be responsible for two for two point one million dollars basically. Uh, Detroit then shipped Savard to Tampa, and they retained fifty percent of Savard's cap hit uh, in the deal to Tampa. So basically, they would be on the hook. For about about 1.1 million dollars, if my math is correct here. So basically, this is a gigantic win for Tampa because they don't have to pay Savard's massive contract and go over the cap. Mm-hmm. But you know, this is going to be a huge help uh, to their blue line. 
with uh, currently he has one goal and five assists this year as a top four defenseman, uh, previously with the Columbus Blue Jackets, now, of course, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you know, I've seen David Savard actually play down in Springfield when I got the chance to see him as a, uh, as a minor leaguer. And yeah. he's definitely a top four guy. I'll put it that way. With especially especially with the uh, with the the style of his game, you know he's going to be a tremendous help to that Tampa Bay uh, that Tampa Bay defense as they look to defend their championship. Uh, there are some other notable names on the trade market right now, including Taylor Hall of the Buffalo Sabers, who former is devil. expected to, yeah, former Devil. Uh, he yep. is having a down year, though, though. Two goals mm-hmm. and 17 assists for a top liner. You know, for a, for, for a first-line winger, you're expecting a lot more than just 19 points through 37 games so far. And with a cap hit of $8 million, I'm sorry, but I don't I don't know if I'm if I'm willing to shell out uh you know, if I'm willing to shell out that amount of money. Or not not money but the uh but the prospect in order to acquire him. Whether it's whether it's a first round pick, which is what Buffalo is uh is asking for. Uh you know, I don't know. I, I I definitely wouldn't pay what they're currently asking for, for for Taylor Hall right now. I have a feeling that price will probably go down because with Buffalo being as bad as they are, it's hard to imagine that they're going to keep that salary on for the remainder of the year. Yeah. Uh, by the way, just announced AT&T Stadium will be the host of next year's WrestleMania. So Jerry World uh, will get will definitely get a big boost to their uh, uh, to their sports economy down there because it's it's kind of odd because WrestleMania is kind of like the Super Bowl uh, when it comes to WrestleMania week. You know how how when there's Super Bowl week they do a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff around the community and everything. Lou. Yeah. It's kind it's kind of it's, it's kind of similar what they do with week. It's kind of similar what they do with uh what they do with WrestleMania where they yeah. you know, they do uh, they they do a whole bunch of stuff around the community and it's it's going to be a big boost, uh, specifically for for uh, for Dallas, Texas, uh, at AT and T Stadium next year, to uh, to have all that extra, all that extra, all that extra uh, economy in the uh, in the sports world, basically. Let's put it that way. Yes. Uh, let's see. Some other bits of news, the Florida Panthers, they have acquired Brandon Montour from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a third-round yep. pick in this year's draft. 
Uh, Montour has five goals and 14 points in 38 contests uh, while averaging around 20 and a half minutes per night. Uh, He'll do a lot to bolster that Panthers defense, especially especially considering the fact that they've lost uh, that they've lost Aaron Ekblad for the year due to a leg injury. Um, and it sounds like they're going to they're going to potentially use him on both the power play and the penalty kill as uh, one of the biggest things has been has been uh, that has been touted has been his his ability to play two way. So this should this should be that uh, yeah. this should that this should be a pretty a pretty big uh, a pretty big acquisition for the uh, for the Florida Panthers. Uh, let's see. There was one minor deal that was done uh, with the Colorado Avalanche acquiring Devin Dubnik from the San Jose Sharks in exchange for a fifth round pick and Greg Patern. Uh, Dubnik has a three nine and two record this year, along with a three point one eight goals against average and an eighty nine point eight save percentage in seventeen games as the backup to Martin Jones uh, yeah. over in San Jose. The Avalanche were in the market for an experienced goaltender to serve as Philip Grubauer's uh, understudy, so this does fill that void uh, for them. Dubnik is in the final season of a six-year, $26 million contract. Uh, Patern had only two assists in 11 games this year, so he's he's basically a depth forward. This Essentially what this was was San Jose clearing a little bit of salary because I guarantee you Patern is probably only making the minimum. Yeah. And the Devils and Islanders made a trade too. Uh Devils made a uh, made a deal. Uh, the Islanders, uh, the Devils, the Islanders got two of the Devils players. Oh yes, that's right. Um, yeah, they uh, they traded away Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. And yeah, and you know, Diana's Devils not fans. happy about that. Well, I would be if I was a Devils fan, but you know what? I would be asking. Why couldn't this Zajac trade have happened sooner? Because this is probably one yeah. of the worst contracts I have seen in recent NHL memory. Yeah. But, you know, I think maybe this is a sign saying that, well, I think the Devils have given up on any hopes of trying to make the playoffs now. Well, clearly. I mean, they've, uh, you know, I hate, to, I hate to disappoint Devils fans, but they've been, you know, in – They've been in the disarray. minus in the minus for well yeah, they've been in disarray for the past couple of years to begin with. <laughs> um however, I am very surprised that they got a first round pick back for Cal Palmieri. Yeah. Not just that, but they got they got a first round pick this year. They got a conditional fourth round pick, which will upgrade to a third if the Islanders reach the Stanley Cup final. Uh, as well as getting prospects A.J. Greer and Mason Jopes in the deal as well. Uh, Palmieri finds himself on his third NHL team after six seasons with the Devils. Uh, 
if I can find his find his numbers here. I do know that Palmieri uh, has been one of the uh, one of the better players this year on that Devils roster, but I mean it's not really saying much considering the fact that their talent level is well kind of underperforming. I'll put it that way. Uh, Palmieri only had eight goals and nine assists for 17 points on one of the top two lines with the Devils this year. I mean, honestly, that right there should sort of tell you what kind of disarray that 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 uh, that, that team is in. You know, just the fact that yeah somebody who has been one of their primary scorers the past couple of years hasn't even been able to get things going this year. Uh, Travis Dajak, he leaves the team after scoring seven goals and 11 assists for 18 points uh, with a minus one. Still kind of shocked, though that they were able to get a yes. first-round pick in the deal because – It is a shock. I honestly – unless it's the fact that, you know, they're they're giving up to – can I really say quality when talking about Zajac? Because Zajac hasn't really performed mm. to his contract. I no, mean, I could no. say – I could say a quality player uh, for Palmieri – but yes. I can't really say that for Zajac, though, because I mean, let's let's face it, that deal is probably. Hang on a minute, I gotta I gotta get the deal because he okay yeah. he signed an eight year an eight year forty six million dollar deal, uh-huh. and so that's that's close to about six mil per season. Taking a look at the numbers that he's put up since that deal, he's had three 40-plus point seasons. He's never reached the 50-point mark. Uh, mm. A majority of the seasons, he's only finished He's finished below 30 points for the year. I mean, it's clear his early Devils years from 2006 to 2010 – well, okay, maybe 2011 were his peak years with the Devils organization. And after that, it just – Zajac just completely fell off a cliff. I guess maybe he wasn't fully expecting uh, – yeah, or not he, but, you know, the organization wasn't fully expecting for him to drop off as quickly as he did, but – it's, it kind of seems like, you know how usually uh, as wingers specifically, when they get older, they start to decline? Uh, it sort of seems like he declined a little more rapidly compared to what we're used to seeing out of, uh, you know, out of aging uh, hockey players. It's almost as if, it's almost as if once he hit 30, his his skills started to decline rapidly. It's hard to imagine that well, thirty is considered old. I mean, even if you're a hockey yeah. player, I mean, still. 
it is kind. Of, it is kind of hard to imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm 51, and most people don't think I'm old. <laughs> but when you think about it, though, actually, it's it is very odd to think about it that way, though, because of the fact that you know you're on ice. So you're already moving fast as it is. Maybe perhaps it's the hand-eye coordination that ends up uh, being affected the most. I don't know, but it's it's it is very odd that unless unless you're a high-level talent like a like a Wayne Gretzky or. You know, I'll I'll put it in modern day terms. If you're a Sidney Crosby or an Evgeny Malkin or a Patrice Bergeron, I I I choose Gretzky. I can't stand Malkin. Yeah, but I mean, granted, though Gretzky played in a different era. But right, of course. You know, I'm talking. You know, in terms of how the NHL is now, where they're more physical and everything, and you have to balance out uh, speed versus physicality, and you know, when you see players nowadays, you know, unless you're a talent the likes of Patrice Bergeron or a uh, mm-hmm. or a, a Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin, you know, oh, yeah. you're not re- – you're probably you're probably going to see your skills decline a lot a lot faster uh, than those who are at the top of their game. So I think you would, of course. Yeah. Uh, some other players who are on the market, Mike Hoffman uh, of the St. Louis Blues, nine goals and 12 assists in 36 games so far this year. He's on the hook for $4 million. Uh, good luck to whatever team acquires him if they do. Uh, one name that is, that is making uh, – that is making strides up the ladder has been Alex Ayafalo of the LA Kings, nine goals and 14 assists on the season through 37 games played. He has a relatively cheap contract too, at only $2.4 million. Uh, so basically I believe he's been starting on the second line, I think for LA and he's getting paid basically like a third line winger. So that's a relatively cheap contract for for it to be an expiring deal uh, for Iafalo. Uh Jonathan Bernier is also on the radar. Uh, a three point oh, that's actually pretty horrible. A three point oh three goals against average yeah. with a ninety one save percentage uh, for Detroit. Mm. Although I guess maybe considering he's a backup, maybe perhaps. Uh, about three million dollars, but that's—I think that's just the fact, though, that Detroit is just a horrible team this year to begin with. Um, yeah, they've been horrible for a long time, though. They have been, yes. Uh, some other notable names: Matthias Ekholm from the Nashville Predators, five goals uh, and twelve assists on the season. He does have one year remaining after this year, so three point seven five mil. Uh, Josh Manson is also another name from the Anaheim Ducks. One goal and two assists, uh, 4.1 mil. 
He has uh, one year remaining on his deal as well. So those two in particular, if you're on the uh, if you're on the market looking for a defenseman, probably going to have to give up a little bit more for those two as opposed to uh, as opposed to an expiring deal, like uh, like most of the uh, most of the guys on the trade market this year. Uh, they also got Scott Lawton out there from the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, seven goals, ten assists, only two point three mil for a uh, for a second to third line center. I'm trying to trying to look at who else may potentially be on the move. There are a few names that are actually on the rise. Uh, not really a lot of people with term though this year, which is kind of odd because usually. Usually if you're, you know, if you're a seller this year or if you're a seller in hockey, you usually want to try and get rid of salary regardless of whether they're an expiring contract or if they have, uh, if they have term left. So what, what are your thoughts on this, uh, on this market so far, Lou? Well, I think it's becoming uh, fairly crowded, and over the course of the next few weeks. But um, the Red Wings, though, of course, you know they're not going to help marriage much. They are what's been quoted as a dumpster fire, and has been for quite a while now. I don't see what you're going to do about them. Devils, of course, are you know after a brief season back in like uh, what are we at 2021, uh, 2018. They're back to their, you know, losing ways. It kind of reminds me of back in the old days, in the 80s and early 90s, when they just completely sucked. So hopefully we can get, you know, better trades. But like I, like I said before, I think with some of the teams that, you know, uh, trade the players, you know, I think they have given up on the season like the Devils have. I mean, the pro, you know, they can be almost getting worse than the Sabres at this point, which is really bad enough. Well, Lou, I don't think anybody can be as as bad as the Sabres right now. Uh, at only really? twenty four points, at only twenty four points with a nine twenty five and six record. Hell, the Devils they have a fourteen Make it nineteen nine, and six not, record. And if you don't, if you don't count the show as a tie, it's nine thirty one. Technically, yes, but yeah, because you know, they, as I always say, a win is a win, or a loss is a loss. Yeah, but you know they do they do get points because of that. So I know. Um. Yeah, you know I will. I will say that they probably they probably have a, have a lot of um have a lot of work to do specifically in New Jersey. I think it's going to be a while before. You know, it's certainly uh, they're they're definitely going to need to get. Oh, by then. <laughs> I think they I think they do have a bright future at least uh, with Mackenzie Blackwood as their starting goaltender. Just from what I'll we've give you that. seen, I'll give you that. Blackwood's just good. from what we've seen uh, in some of his games this year. I mean, he seemed very composed against against the high scoring Bruins. Yeah. Uh, to where, 
to where the Devils won pretty much, I believe, every single matchup against the Bruins this year. I might be wrong, but they, they won at least every single one with the exception of maybe one. And Blackwood was in net all of those uh, all of those games. Yeah. So I mean, Blackwood's one of the few bright spots on that team. Other than that, they have been a disaster. Yeah, and, but I'll tell you, they haven't been since, they haven't been the same since Taylor Hall. No, they haven't. And even then, though, you know. Their offense was 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 kind of bad to begin with, even with Taylor Hall. You know, in the later parts yeah. of Taylor Hall's, uh, in the later parts of Taylor Hall's time with the Devils, you know, you saw a sputtering offense. Like it wasn't really high level uh, to where you know you could real. Basically, Taylor Hall was their one guy that they could really. Well, Taylor Hall and Cal Palmieri were really their, their two guys that they could really depend on when it came to uh, goal production. And you just haven't seen that. You just haven't seen that from the Devils uh, ever since. No. And, I mean, you know, look at, just looking at where they are in the East Division right now, I mean, they're pretty much out of a playoff spot to begin with anyway. So, yeah. It's not gonna really, it's not gonna really matter much uh, what they do. But uh, taking a but look not, at, not at not the but I think COVID, I I think COVID really hit them too. Possible. It's possible. I don't think they recovered from uh, it. Just taking a look at some of the uh, at some of the divisions right now where they stand. Uh, we have the Hurricanes still on top of the Central Division. Uh, this kind of explains why the the Lightning have loaded up with uh, with the acquisition of of David Savard um, and doing all those trade gymnasts they did. Uh, the Hurricanes lead the Central Division with the Tampa Bay Lightning in second. We have yeah, with Tampa Bay Lightning in second, we have the Florida Panthers. Uh, they're on a major losing streak, though, losing their last three. So they got to get things. Uh, they got to stop that that bleeding there in Florida. Uh, they are in the third spot. The Predators take up the fourth with uh, the Blackhawks, Stars, Blue Jackets, and Red Wings in the bottom four of the Central. The East Division, you got the Capitals, Islanders, Penguins, and the Bruins currently right now in the playoff picture with the Rangers and the Flyers uh, creeping up there, basically, uh, still hanging in. Devils and Sabres are basically eliminated. Uh, The North Division, you got the Maple Leafs, the Oilers, and the Jets. By the way, keep an eye on the Oilers, potentially, for Taylor Hall. Uh, They may be uh, a spot to – that may be a spot for a potential reunion. Um. Yeah, Maple Leafs, Oilers, Jets, and the Canadiens are currently the four teams in the north with the Canucks, Flames, and Senators basically out of it. And the Canucks, there's actually more information about the Canucks. There's even Yo, more COVID. Wait, I think I know where you're going to. Uh, April 16th, right? April 16th? That's what I've been told, that uh, they can return to play uh, April 16th, and they will be able to finish the regular season 
But it's going to push the playoffs back a bit. Oh, boy, this is going to go into July. Great. Well, they've, they, they I, haven't played at all this week, so. Right. Well, you know what? Uh, we we have been joined by uh, by JB. Uh, JB, I want to get oh, your hi, thoughts, um, specifically when it comes to. Uh, obviously, you know we've seen how COVID has impacted uh, the sports world throughout this whole pandemic. Um, I mean, everybody. We know everybody's getting vaccinated now, or the vaccine is being readily available. Uh, to more people now, but what are your thoughts? Uh, the fact that we're still seeing outbreaks, sort of like what we're seeing with the Vancouver Canucks right now. Well, I'm not one to talk about uh, NHL. Uh, as far as Getting vaccinated, you know, you can get vaccinated. Uh, you know, your odds of getting the, uh, COVID are well. What can I say? They're they're not as uh, they're better than what they were you can still get the uh you can still get the uh you can still get covid even though you're vaccinated yeah. right yeah i you're, i guess the point i guess the point know, that... go ahead jb you're just com- you're just comparing this year with last year well what i'm what i'm what i was trying to get at was uh, you can basically make the point that you know you may get vaccinated but it still doesn't prevent you from it do, it still doesn't prevent a potential outbreak uh from happening right. like how it's happened in Vancouver right now to where their entire team let me put it this way they don't even have direct players in the they don't even have enough players in the AHL to you know, to call up in order to in order to uh, to have games be played in Vancouver this past week. Huh. So they've been yeah. so they've been off ever since. Yeah. They were supposed to return on Thursday to practice, and maybe uh, actually Tuesday, and hopefully we're going to play on uh, this past Thursday, but that didn't happen. Yeah, and actually I have an update here uh, where the NHL did announce that they can reopen their practice facilities as early as tomorrow, and yep. they will resume their schedule on the 16th, like you said. Um, yep. In addition to that, the NHL revealed a number of schedule changes that will extend the regular season from May 11th to end uh, on now on May 16th. This will allow the Canucks to play a full 56 games. Uh, among other changes, on May 12th, the Maple Leafs will play in Ottawa in a contest that was originally scheduled for May 10th. Uh, on May 13th, Vancouver will play in Edmonton in a contest that originally was going to be on April 14th. 
And on May 15th and 16th, the uh, Vancouver Canucks and Calgary Flames will play in back-to-back games, which is a reschedule of contests that were previously scheduled for April 8th and May 8th. And now uh, it also says that the NHL is considering the possibility of starting the playoffs for the East, Central, and West divisions a few days earlier than the North division postseason, which would kind of make sense. So, yeah, I'm looking. I don't see any. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, JB. No, it's to, to me. It's weird that they are extending the uh, you know season as long as they are. Yeah, but it kind of it kind of makes sense though, considering the fact it, that it, every team every team has to play a full fifty six games for this season, right? Okay. Yeah, I was under the impression that they didn't really have to play the full fifty-six teams. Uh, sort of something like uh, they did uh, last year, I believe. Yeah, they played, I forget what the number of games was last year, but they did have to miss uh, quite a few games because of, uh, because of COVID uh, last year. Because they ended up having uh, sort of like what the NBA did, where they had to, um, they had to resume the schedule. at a certain uh, at a at a certain time following the uh the initial outbreak do we know how many of the uh players have actually been uh vaccinated uh not vaccinated but they did say that the number of players that actually caught it was Lou correct me if i'm wrong i think it was like what 21 of the Canucks, uh, 25, yeah. actually. No, oh, 25 now. Okay, so it's 25 yes. and a couple of staff members, I believe, too. Four staff members, 21 players, four staff members. Jesus. So, yeah, you know, that's basically – yeah, that's actually the entire – um, that's actually the entire club when you think about it because you have 18, 18 regular skaters plus the two goalies and potentially, uh, depending on how many people they have as reserves, uh, which you can have, I believe, you can have up to 21 players, not including the goalies, um, for those that can actually uh, that can actually suit up. Um, so, wait, no, no, you can have 21 up to 21 players. So yeah, pretty much every single player must have COVID or be a uh, close contact then. Yes. And I thought that, and I thought Jesus, over here was bad. Yeah. You know, that, and, and the thing is, can't the thing that's odd is Canada, they're more strict with their, 
you know, with their with their policies in regards to uh, in regards to COVID, just based off so of what the um, hell happened. I don't know, and you know, you know what would be interesting? It would be interesting. Uh, I believe the juniors played this year, didn't they? Uh, yeah, I think they had the World Junior Championships as well. It would be interesting to see what the numbers were there throughout the whole season. Because I remember that was one of the that was one of the biggest one of the biggest things. Uh yes. That was one of the biggest things you know, surrounding the uh surrounding the restarting of the NHL was whether or not we would get a junior season. Right, right, of course. Or, or and you know how how would if if we didn't then how would prospects, you know, be how, how would they oh, the prospects would be screwed. Know, screwed. Yeah, exactly, cuz they would be basically playing off of you know, they wouldn't they wouldn't have had they would have been sitting for basically a full season. Oh, and another thing too. Uh, staying on the NHL for a second here, uh, Zach Wierenski also will not play this season for the Blue Jackets. So the Blue Jackets—they're basically sellers, essentially, right now. Yeah. Uh, their defense. One of their defensemen, Zach Wierenski, he will not play for the rest of the season because of a sports hernia. Who apparently, apparently he's been playing. He's been playing through uh, throughout most of the season with the injury. And uh, they decided that having surgery right now was the best decision and allow him to be 100% before the start of, of training camp in the fall. Um, he had seven goals and, and 13 assists this year for the Columbus Blue Jackets before this, before, uh, this decision. Also 79, uh, 79 shots, 39 blocked shots, and 21 hits in 35 games for the Blue Jackets. Hey, uh, JB, did you uh, did you get to watch um, the uh, the NCAA finals, the uh, March Madness? You know, I missed I missed the game. I really did. I heard that uh, uh, Baylor. Beat uh, Gonzaga, and the from the from the final score, yeah, they beat the crap out of them. What was it like, eighty nine to seventy or something like that? Eighty six, eighty six, seventy. Eighty six to seventy. Yeah, yeah. Like, they did. Pile them. They smoked them. They smoked them. And it's like, and actually, you know. <laughs> You know, I don't think anybody would have seen that coming. No, hell no. Especially with no, Gonzaga, no, no. with Gonzaga having a perfect season on the line too. You know, I I could have Does seen it maybe you of Giants. I could have seen maybe like uh, getting uh, maybe Gonzaga getting beat, maybe like eighty six to, you know. 85 or something like that, or 86 to 84, 
but yeah. eighty-six to seventy—that's a—that's that's getting well, your like I, like that's was, getting your ass beat. Like I was telling Steve earlier, um, you know, the predictions never go the way I think it's going to go. Whatever it is, it's the opposite that turns out. So was I surprised it happened? I think it's a close game. It turned to be a blowout. Uh, no, not at all. You'd think I would know better, but uh, obviously I did not look like a guy, and I, at the end of the game, looked like a complete dumbass. Let's just say it cost me It cost me the uh, the March Madness Championship in Whispers because of it. Uh-oh. <laughs> because of Gonzaga deciding I not forgot. to show up. Uh, yeah, Uh Jim and I both – well, actually, it was down to, to uh, Tim and I because uh, if Gonzaga won, I still would have been ahead of Jim. So uh, it was basically down to – it was basically uh, down to Tim and I. And I thought at one point that maybe Gonzaga was making a run, but Baylor, they were just too offensively dominant that – well, you know, it's it was almost at one point it was like they couldn't miss yeah. with some of their shots. But yeah, it was uh it was a rough, it was a rough night, I'll put it that way. Oh, sure. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think I went to bed uh, early that night and uh you know, I wasn't I feeling too good. It was one game that I was, you know, going to watch. Uh, were you not feeling before the game, or was it because during the game it was like, oh, this game is making me sick? I think I went to bed like about 6 o'clock or something like that. Okay, so oh, I yeah, that was definitely the before the Yeah, so I missed the whole thing. Yeah, well, wait a minute. What time, what time zone are you in, are you in, JB? Because you're in, you're you're technically in Ohio, right? So east. Yeah, I'm are you in the eastern the, time you zone. The east? oh, okay. I'm in the eastern zone. time zone. Okay. Oh, okay. So, damn, you must have been tired then. Go, uh, may it may have possibly oh. been as well because we haven't had uh, we haven't had podcasts uh, recently too. So. Yeah, that's usually, been two weeks. Usually you're on for the usually you're on for the podcast. Yeah. And that's what was uh I guess it was uh surprising too that uh you know there was no podcast, but then again I thought, you know, hey, uh it's uh you know jim's jim's running the show and you know if something came up or something like that uh you know it's not me to say hey why isn't there a uh, podcast you know yeah, i was well, just I, saying, uh, well there isn't a podcast tonight yeah, well, I, well, I can, I can tell, I can tell you that I did send the artwork to him, so uh, we may have one this week. It, it all depends on, uh, obviously, his final decision if he decides to uh, to go through with it or not. But I did send him the artwork, so, um, yeah. so we'll see when it comes to that. Uh, 
let's see some other bits of news. Uh, another another thing too, you know, we talked about Roy Williams last week retiring. Uh, North Carolina yes. they have hired they have hired longtime assistant Hubert Davis as their new head coach, and he was actually the betting favorite uh, to to be the uh, to be hired as the head coach. Um, now. While he's never been a head coach at the Division One level, uh, Williams had been grooming him to for a head coaching job, much in the same way that Dean Smith had groomed Williams during Williams' tenure as an assistant uh, for for North Carolina. So, basically, the keys uh, the keys have now been have now been handed off to Hubert Davis, and we'll see what he can do. Uh, with the North Carolina team, considering he has been he has been around the team, you know, since 2012. So uh, I assume we would probably see sort of the same, uh, you know, sort of the same style of coaching that we saw to Roy Williams, considering the fact that Hubert Davis has been around him this uh, this entire time. What are your thoughts on that, Lou? Were you a little shocked that maybe perhaps uh, they didn't go elsewhere, or do you think that that Davis was probably the right decision because of the fact that he's been in the organization or he's been in the university and on the coaching staff all these years? Well, yeah, I mean that does make sense because he was part of the staff and whatnot. So I think to replace Williams with him, you know, was a lot was a very logical move. Since he has, since he is, you know, part of it. I mean, uh, who better than than someone who's on the staff? I mean, because otherwise you're just gonna be searching and scrambling, and that could take, you know, that could take uh, days, weeks, months, you know. And uh, when you got some good, why waste that talent? That's the way I look at it. What do you What do you think about that, JB? Oh man. You're asking a person that only follows uh, like uh, two, uh, two or three, uh, two or three teams. <laughs> but uh, it looks like he's seventy. Uh, I don't, I don't know why he was. Uh, did he uh, retire? Williams did, yeah. Yeah, Williams retired. He uh his last bit of uh his last game that he ever coached is uh a first round exit in March Madness. Okay. Well it's good that they uh I guess the uh person that uh replaced him was uh, already on uh North Carolina. Yeah, he was a uh, longtime assistant and basically that they were uh he was being groomed to to take over essentially. Well, that make you know like uh you know like the other person said, you know, that 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 makes sense otherwise it would have taken you know weeks maybe another, uh, you know, month or two, and this way they can just, uh, you know, say, hey, you know, we're going to go with you, 
and uh you know we wish you the best and that's that's what i hope the uh you know fans would say too yeah um <clears throat> darn it I know we talked we talked a, a little bit uh earlier today about or not earlier today um earlier tonight about uh the going into football a little bit here cuz you know a little bit more about football um the the Carolina Panthers they acquired Sam Darnold from the New York Jets in exchange for a sixth in exchange for a sixth rounder this year and next year's second and fourth rounders. Now, we all saw how bad Sam Darnold played for the Jets last year, so it's kind of a surprise that he that he even uh, got the Jets this kind of haul uh, in return. I, uh, so one thing I want to ask you, JB, obviously, you know, he's going to a – He's going to a team that is probably in a much better position than the Jets are, obviously. Uh, do you think that the that the, uh, the the bad numbers that were put up by Darnold, do you think it was because of of perhaps that he's a bust, or do you think that it that it possibly has more to do with the lackluster coaching that he had at New York? I'm sorry, but I missed your uh, question because all of a sudden I had a had a uh, sneeze because I I have uh, allergies and somehow I had my uh, nose stuck in or my finger stuck in my nose and I and it kind of made it bleed and I started sneezing (laughs) and I just put the telephone down. Yeah. So basically, when, you know, when it comes to when it comes to the struggles that Sam Darnold had in New York last year, do you think it was more because of the fact that he's that that he maybe he's a bust, or is it, or do you think it had more to do with the uh, with the the lack of coaching that he basically had there in New York? Because a lot of people still look at him as a quarterback with high upside, despite putting up uh, despite putting up mediocre numbers these first three years in the league. I think it's lack of coaching on his part, really. That's, I mean, it kind of it kind of makes sense. That's just that's just my opinion. Yeah, but, you know, it, it kind of makes sense when you think about it, though, because of, you know, Dar- or not Darnold, uh, Adam Gase, you know, he's always, ever since that one year that he had, that one or two years that he had with Peyton Manning, you know, he's always been seen as, uh, you know, he he had been seen as an offensive genius. Uh, then he went to Miami. He had a subpar time in Miami. And then he went to New York, where it basically all went to hell. So, and back, and back, or they're still trying to crawl back uh, right now. Well, but, you know, it, uh. it it just kind of seems like 
maybe perhaps Darnold needed just a fresh start. And I, I mean, it, it's it's notable that the Panthers are now telling Bridgewater, Teddy Bridgewater, that he can request a trade elsewhere. He can, you know, he can actively talk with other teams uh, that may be potentially interested in acquiring him. That tells me that the that the Panthers are planning to go forward with Sam Darnold as their quarterback. Which, you know, is kind of odd when you when you think about the when you when you put up Teddy Bridgewater's numbers up against Sam Darnold's numbers this past year, it's yeah. obvious that Bridgewater is the is the uh the better choice. But yeah. I mean that just it just kind of shows, you know, the the fact that some teams still believe that Darnold has uh upside to his game and that, you know, he hasn't really? been fully that he hasn't been fully able to show his potential because of the fact that he was on a team like the Jets. Let, let me just say that I'm going to Put my uh, telephone on mute because I've been sneezing and sneezing and sneezing, and I'm just gonna listen to you guys. <laughs> okay. No offense. Well, well, well. we'll uh, if you do have anything to say at all, feel free to chime in whenever. Okay. Once, uh, you know, once you I get did. once you get your uh, once you get your allergies under control. Okay, I did uh, write a I did write a few things down earlier, so uh, I'll uh, you know mention them. Being we're in the uh, last uh, half hour. Yep. All right. Uh, now you know, Lou. I did find one thing interesting, uh, and this is coming from the Washington, yes. or no, from the Athletic. Uh, surrounding the Washington ah. football team. Now, it's kind of odd. I, I say I say this because they just acquired Ryan Fitzpatrick. They just signed Ryan Fitzpatrick. But apparently, okay. according to Michael Lombardi of The Athletic, he he's right. reporting that the Washington football team could unload all of their picks to basically, basically uh, you know, doing – basically doing the Ricky Williams type deal uh, to move up in the draft to take Trey Lance of North Dakota State. And it sounds like that they would move up to the number four spot in order to do it. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about that? Because, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense considering that they run no, a run-heavy offense. They run a run-heavy offense. And yeah, anything, this, would be, this would be taking this would be taking away snaps from this would be taking away targets from Terry McLaurin. Uh, you know, their number one wide receiver and instead focusing on Trey Lance and uh running back Antonio Gibson. Yeah. 
that doesn't make a lot of sense at all, to be honest. It's a dumb move. It really is. So, uh, first off, I'm kind of surprised that a lot of people still value Lance this high, considering the fact that he's probably going to be a project, if anything. You know, I wouldn't really see him starting right away, considering the fact he only played in two games recently. I wouldn't think so. Uh, now, when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons, uh, apparently the general manager, Terry Fontenot, uh, formerly from the, uh, oh, wait, no, I'm, I might be thinking of Arthur Smith. Um, Terry Fontenot and head coach Arthur Smith are now reportedly aligned on what they are going to do with the fourth pick in the draft as they were reported. They were previously not in agreement over where they wanted to go uh, with this fourth overall pick. Um, it's still a question as to whether or not they're going to actually trade the pick or maybe they had their differences on who they would potentially take with the pick. Um I mean, they could trade the pick for King's ransom. They could take uh, the successor to Matt Ryan or maybe take a a tight end like Kyle Pitts because, let's face it, that Atlanta offense, the one thing they are missing is a a big-time tight end, and Kyle Pitts would actually bring them – would actually uh, give them that high firepower option. Because – According to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, head coach Arthur Smith does believe that Matt Ryan has some good years left in the tank, which indicates that Smith might be opposed to drafting uh, Ryan's successor this spring. And when you think about it, a passing attack being led by Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Kyle Pitts, could potentially be frightening. You could potentially have one of the best passing offenses in the league with that with with those three. Because Pitts, he put up some pretty big numbers in Florida. Uh, let's see. In the in the NBA. According to uh, Shams Sharania of The Athletic, the Milwaukee Bucks and Drew Holiday have reportedly come to terms on a contract extension worth up to $160 million over four years. Yep. So with, with Giannis Antetokounmpo having signed a Supermax extension just before the season began, and Chris Middleton is now under contract through the 2022-2023 season, and keep in mind, he also has a player option for 2023-2024. The Bucks have managed to take care of their most, their three most important pieces for the foreseeable future. Uh, Holiday did have an option for the uh, for next season worth 26 million, but he'll make a good amount more than that with his new contract that he currently has now, or that that he yes. will have now. 
So do you think – what do you think, Lou? Do you think that now maybe perhaps the uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, they have a reliable core that they can now start to build pieces around? Oh, absolutely. But I don't know if it's going to be, you know, enough for, um, you know, uh, playoffs-wise. I mean, because, you know, the Sixers and the Nets, you know, they're dominating the East. Obviously, yeah. I mean, you take a look at the – at the East right now, and even with those same three players, uh, the Bucks they stand at 32 and 20 right now, and they are on a right. bit of a losing skid. They have lost their last three games, uh, going actually going four and six in their last ten. So, you know, there, there's there's just a lot of money uh, being put to. Each of these three, you know, it's it's taking a, they they take a, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of the Boston Celtics and their current situation right now with Jason Tatum and James yeah, Brown. Yeah, what happened to them? And also and also uh, Kemba Walker with his uh, with his max deal that he uh, that he has with the Celtics. Uh, you know, all I can say about the Celtics is, you know, they are on a two game winning streak right now. Uh, however, Jalen, it looks like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are currently in the uh, protocol for uh, player safety and health protocol or whatever. So basically, basically it's the COVID protocol, as they call it. Yes. Uh, I don't know what's up with this team. It's it's almost like they don't even care about, about COVID or something because, hell, Tristan Thompson, he ended up missing like – he ended up missing like ten games because he'd rather go out and socialize as opposed to actually uh, actually staying uh, you know staying healthy. Um, but you know this Boston Celtics roster, I just I, I I don't know if I can really explain why well. they're in the current why they're in the current spot that they are right now because I guess you could sort of say that maybe perhaps they are missing Gordon Hayward a lot more than they thought they would. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, yeah, that he, he does bring a, bring a great presence uh, into the team. And without him, uh, they have in the same sense. I mean, they've been very consistent this season. And but when you take a look, with, when you take a look at where they are right now, worse. though, yeah. when you take a look at where they are right now, though, even though Gordon Hayward is with Charlotte, Charlotte is still – let me put it this way. Between the fourth seed and the seventh seed, all three of those seed – or all, all four of those seeds are only separated by one game. That's it. Charlotte sits at 27 and 24. Atlanta's at 28 and 25. Miami's at 27 and 25. And Boston is at twenty seven and twenty six. So it, 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 yeah. the the window is so tight between those four seeds that literally yeah. the uh, depend deciding who gets into the play in tournament that could go all that could go all the way down until the final game. Yeah, because the, uh, the Rangers right now are going to be in it. Go ahead, Lou. 
The Rangers are likely to give me a two. I mean, they're getting ground. And with the offense they've been having in these last few games, you know, it's been phenomenal. They've been scoring uh, eight goals, nine goals. I mean, they've been tearing up the offense, and it's really showing. And they're making strides in the standings. So if even they don't make the um, top four seeds, they, uh, I mean, I think they're sure to get into the playing game, even though nobody likes it. But Yeah, you know, you take a look. Uh, I mean, as far as the play-in goes for the NBA, you know, the Boston Celtics, they're basically on the cusp of either being in the play-in games or automatically making the playoffs. Uh, the New York Knicks, I mean, the Knicks are even there too. You know, they're, they're, yes, they're they separated by only, they're separated by only two games. Yeah. Um, but at the same actually, time, I mean, the, the East is so tight that a few games here, a few games there can knock from, you can go from like fifth to like third or from fifth to like 12th. So it's very tight in the East. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can get uh, you know I don't I don't think I don't think you can you can get any tighter than what than what we than what we've seen so oh, far in the no. Eastern Conference. The Western Conference is a completely different a completely different uh, you know a completely different uh, situation Animal. there. Uh, let's see. Actually, yeah, hang on. Let me scroll down to the to the West because in the West, you still got Utah on top even after all this time. Uh, Phoenix, this is a shocking thing. Phoenix is in the number two spot. Who would have seen Phoenix at the beginning of the season being basically well, 21 games above 500? Well, I guess it's true. The Phoenix does rise from the ashes. Oh, oh boy. Well, it's not just that, but the fact that the fact that all they needed was a veteran presence like Chris Paul to finally elevate that team. Because when you think about it, they've been on the cusp for so many years of playoff contention. They've been on the cusp. But they just yes. haven't, you know, they just haven't been able to uh, to finally put everything together until apparently this season, from what it looks like. Now you also you got the Clippers up there at thirty six and eighteen, uh, the Denver Nuggets at thirty four and eighteen. Here's where remember what we talked about with the Lakers and how they would be missing uh, LeBron James and and Anthony Davis. We talked about the slide. They are seven games behind the Utah Jazz now, and from where they were, they're now two games behind uh, fourth ranked Denver. And they are in danger depending on how much longer they're out. They are two and a half games away from from sliding into the play-in tournament. So there there is the potential that we may 
we may have a potential early exit from the Lakers if they if they can't get healthy quick. Uh, we also have we have Portland in the sixth spot. Uh, the play-in tournament right now uh, for the West looks like it is Dallas against Memphis. If the if the season were to end today, it would be Dallas against Memphis for the seventh spot, and it would be San Antonio against Golden State for the eighth spot. But Sacramento, or Sacramento, uh, San Antonio is falling fast. They have lost their last five games, and from all indications, they're not anywhere close to picking things up. Uh, some bad news for uh, former Yankee James Paxton, as Tommy John surgery has reportedly been recommended for the Mariners' left-hander. Uh, if he yeah. undergoes the procedure, he will miss the rest of this season and at least some portion of the 2022 season. Uh, and it says he today the update has been that he has not yet decided on surgery and he will seek a second opinion. Okay, and the doctor said you're ugly too. There you go. Okay. But, you know, if so if if it, if it's been recommended for him the first time, usually that second one confirms it. So I think we can almost pretty right. much say that the season is over for James Paxton. <sighs> Already, wow. Uh, also, uh, Major hey, League Baseball, Major League Baseball is inspecting suspicious baseballs from Trevor Bauer's latest start with the LA Dodgers. Uh, it said, obviously it said that uh, they announced last month that they plan to crack down on pitchers doctoring baseballs. And now Trevor Bauer is under the league's microscope after yielding two earned runs on 10 strikeouts in six and two thirds innings against the athletics on Wednesday. The umpires from that game have since collected multiple suspicious baseballs that Bauer threw, according to Ken Rosenthal, who writes that they had visible markings and were sticky. Uh, it, it does say, though, as Rosenthal notes, the league may not be able to prove whether it was Bauer who doctored the balls. So it's unclear mm-hmm. as to whether or not the league will discipline him. I think I've heard and, of that before. You know, it's it's uh, the fact that, that the league is investigating this is especially intriguing considering some of his past comments have been very outspoken in regards to potential cheating when he accused Astros pitchers of, of using illegal means in 2018 in an effort to increase their spin rate. And then he called the team hypocrites and cheaters last year. So it would be one hell of a, uh, you want to talk about hypocrites. It would be one hell of a turnaround if he, uh, you know, if, if Bauer ends up uh, being caught uh, with cheating like this. 
Yeah, plus, uh, let me say, too, don't the umpires collect the baseballs from the uh, pitchers and uh, also uh, collect uh, balls that were in play as the uh, samples? I believe they usually do. So that that there, that there, if they use the balls that were in play and from the pitchers, that would more or less, that would narrow it down more or less, I think. Yeah. You know, they it's very say, well, possible. It's very possible that that could have been from you know, it could have been an umpire because, you know, he has been very outspoken. So right. it's very possible that maybe perhaps some comments that he's made about umpires uh, could have potentially pissed off a couple of umpires, for all we know. Yeah, hey, anything's possible anymore. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, also, Trevor Rosenthal, it's been announced that uh, he has undergone thoracic outlet surgery uh, after being on the on the uh, injured list to open the season due to a shoulder problem. Uh, he has now undergone thoracic outlet surgery to address the injury. Uh, the athletics close the athletics closer will be reevaluated in eight weeks. And it says here, according to the San Francisco Chronicle, that the procedure would come with at least a 12-week recovery time. So he's basically going to be out probably anywhere from two to three months at the minimum. And he is signed to a one-year $11 million deal with this. So... Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the first the first loss that the uh, the Oakland Athletics have uh, have suffered here uh, in this early season for the uh, you know for their as far as their signings go. Uh, the New York Yankees they have acquired Ronid Odor from the Texas Rangers. Uh, In return, the Yankees will send a pair of prospects to the Rangers in the deal. It does not say – oh, actually, no, it does say. uh, The Rangers, they acquired outfielders Josh Stowers and Antonio Cabello in return for Odor and Cash. Um, Notably, well – Actually, the, it looks like Texas is announcing Cabello as a catcher slash outfielder, even though he's exclusively played the outfield in his minor league career to date. So maybe perhaps Texas is planning on on uh, converting Cabello into a catcher. Uh, Cabello was the Yankees' 18th best prospect, and Stowers, he was... 
it looks like Stowers is the lesser of the two prospects as um it it says that it says that his his peak right now his peak potential is probably a fourth outfielder in the bigs so ba- so basically a bench player so the Yankees I guess you could say didn't really give up much for Odor uh however he will they will take on the two the remaining 2 years and 27 million remaining on his contract um although i think I, I, they didn't say how much cash was sent to the yankees in the deal but the yankees did get uh salary um which would probably pay for a certain percentage of of odor's uh, remaining deal that they have on the uh on the books and you know, speaking about the Yankees, it's it's kind of surprising actually how the season has started off so far, because the Yankees are sitting at three and five right now, considering their considering uh, you know their off their offensive firepower. But yet, it seems like their pitching has been the biggest problem. Well, you know what? I've seen this before. You know, they, they've, they've gone with the slow start before, and turned out just fine as the season progresses. So I'm I'm not too worried about this all. And it's only in the first full week of the season. I mean, you know, the season's not decided by then. You know, I mean, everybody thinks, oh, well, we're three and still. They're three and six right now. Oh, they're going nowhere. This is going to be a horrible season. Come on, give me a break. That's why you have these long seasons. They're going to be fine. I'll bet, I'll bet you within about, you know, within about a month or six weeks from now, that's all going to be wiped out and they'll be in first place. I've seen this, this way too many times before. This is not, this is not fooling me at all. Well, you know, I did, I did think sort of the same thing originally with the Boston Red Sox, them getting swept by the Orioles in the first three games of the season. And now apparently, uh, now magically, Magically, the Red Sox have all of a sudden uh, realized that they're in a uh, baseball season, apparently, and now they've won their last five games. So, you know, I, I'm i kind of surprised, though, that the Yankees are – well, actually, I guess I'm not really surprised when it comes to Tampa because they have always had problems with Tampa. I would say I'm probably more surprised – that they had problems with the Orioles because usually, usually the Yankees, when it comes to the Yankees and Orioles, the Yankees are usually, uh, they usually get the better of Baltimore out of a majority of their matchups. I mean, they started off what two and one, I think against Toronto, they took two out of three. I right. think, Lou. Yes, they did. And and then they ended up going one and two against Baltimore, I think. And then, you know, yeah. they've now lost. They've now lost the last two games against Tampa. So it's it is kind of surprising. Uh, granted, it's very early, but it's you know usually you have some teams who will start off poorly. And then you know maybe you know as the season continues to go on they'll continue to improve. Well, let me let me uh, let me give you some more examples. 
Um, let's see. In the uh, 2001 season, I think it was, they were down uh, 10 games below 500 in uh, mid-May, and they caught right up. So that's it right there. And the 98 season, they started off, I think, 1-5, and five, and look what they ended up doing in that season, 114 wins. So, yeah, 3-5, and five, you know, in a 162-game season, that's nothing to worry about. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's still obviously there's obviously plenty of plenty of time to catch up unless unless of course unless of course you're the Boston Red Sox and if you start off uh, bad then you're going to end bad. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I should know considering Boston has done that the past couple of seasons, the past two seasons. Um once you start off bad to end the se- or to begin the season, that's pretty much the end of your season. Um so the fact that they're even starting off five and three is a miracle to me right now. Uh, I have a note though for um, for baseball as well, and I uh, I think you might know where I'm going with this. Um, we had something that happened very unexpected last night. Something I thought we'd never see. Yes, yes, the first time he knows, in he knows. franchise history. Yeah, Joe Musgrove. Uh, yep. With the, uh, I think wasn't he formerly with the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates? I believe he was. He he threw the first complete game no hitter in Padres franchise history, and I've listened to the uh, I've listened to the to the call by Don Orsillo on uh, on Padres uh, uh, Padres baseball. I forget I forget I forget what they I think they have a Fox Sports channel uh, that that theirs is on. Um, for their well, main, I had, I had the free preview this week from uh, Major League MLB um, Extra Innings, so I was able to see that. And you know, the interesting thing is that if the only hit, the only base running gave up was was a hit was hit by a pitch. Other than that, it would have been a perfect game. Yeah, and he, that's the thing too. It was only a hit by pitch, and he gave up no walks besides that. Uh, yeah. I, and he, the only one came in the fourth inning when he hit Joey Gallo. Yep, Gallo. Uh, ten strikeouts, ten strikeouts for Musgrove. Um, and he had a excellent thirty-five percent called strikes plus whiffs rate on all of his pitches. So now his next matchup will be against Pittsburgh uh, next week. Against uh, obviously his uh, former team, and this won't be a very happy homecoming either. No. Uh, one, there no. is one thing I need to say before we end the show tonight. There is one thing I need to Thanks. say. I don't know if you if you uh, watched the free preview uh, game between the Boston Red Sox and the uh, and the Tampa Bay Rays when it was on YouTube. But um, good. Oh, I forgot about that. I forgot about but the good God Major League. Good God Major League Baseball, you really need to get better commentators because that was absolute <laughs> dog shit. Who was the commentator? Uh, what's his face? Um, he does occasional work for. He he was a former a former Braves pitcher who then ended up becoming, I believe, it was. Okay. Oh my God. Um. 
I'll have to watch it on uh, YouTube. Now wait, was was it a was it broadcast team with the Red Sox or broadcast team with the Orioles? No, it it wasn't a it wasn't a broad, broadcast team for either for either team. Okay, good, good. Major League Baseball they put out their own uh, their own their own uh, thing. But uh, the the one thing I Amateurs. will say the one thing I will say is that uh, I I can't believe I'm I can't believe I'm uh, I'm drawing a blank right now on the uh, on the the pitcher, but right. You know, it was. Uh, I'll put it. I'll put it this way: He wasn't the problem. The problem right. was the. It seemed like it was an amateur that they had doing commentary beside I him. I just said that. Amateur. I mean, it was just. It was flat out horrible. Um, worse than my broadcasting audition. Oh, okay. I think it was worse than that. <laughs> anyway, because Baltimore John has Smoltz. the ball. John has, Smoltz. Oh. That's who it was. Smoltz. It was John. Oh, Smoltz. No. Oh no! Good. He wasn't the pro. He he wasn't the problem. Okay. Smoltz wasn't the problem. The problem was was the, the amateur. It seemed like it was an amateur. Like they had a like they had a random YouTuber call commentary for for the entire uh, game. I mean, it was it was uh, I pathetic. If I had the opportunity to switch over to Nesson, I would have. But unfortunately, I was I was uh, yeah. away from from the TV, right. so I had no choice. Because but to Baltimore listen. has one of the best has one of the best uh, um, broadcasters I think there is, and he used to do broadcasts for the Mets. All I know is that I I could have listened to anything else but that YouTube one. Uh, anyways, that's the end of our show for tonight. Uh, thank you to Lou. And uh, his JB, name is? Uh, for joining us tonight. Um, we will be back next week with another edition of Sports Whispers Weekly.